people must pay attention. People must watch and, and they must understand how easily our democratic system uh, can, can unravel if we don't defend it. That's true. And damn you all to hell for making me agree with Liz Cheney on anything. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, 98.7 in Santa Barbara, 93.7 in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the Internet, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and all of your favorite podcast sites except for Spotify. Blanketing Planet Earth, five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. It is good-ish to be back with you on the broadcast today after we took last week off to allow Desi Doyen, largely, to see her family in Texas for the first time in, in, in what, about three years Since or before something? the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. It was really nice. So, yes, thank you for that. There you go. There's that. Back to work now, young lady. <laughs> exactly. The fun is over. Uh, our thanks also, as always, to Nicole Sandler for covering us for a few shows last week, including her interview, by the way, with George Carlin's daughter, Kelly Carlin, uh, who is the executive producer of the new two-part HBO documentary on the legendary comedian and satirist, which, by the way, is really, really good if you haven't seen it. Uh, and, of course, uh, Nicole's interview with our friend Marcy Wheeler, investigative journalist from EmptyWheel.net, who has been covering the fallout and the court cases and the attempts at accountability regarding the January 6, 2021 insurrection at the Capitol <clears throat> and all of the other related efforts by Trump and his supporters to steal the 2020 presidential election. Uh, for which he has still yet to be held accountable. In any event, Marcy's been covering it closer than perhaps any journalist or attorney, frankly, in the country. So if you missed either or both of those interviews last week, you can, as ever, download them for free, uh, along with all of our broadcasts, anytime at bradblog.com. Uh, speaking of the January 6th, bipartisan uh, U.S. House Select Committee, which is investigating uh, that insurrection. They will be holding their first major public hearing this 
uh, this week, beginning Thursday in prime time, 8 p.m. Eastern or 5 p.m. Pacific time out here. Uh, not quite as prime time for us. Uh, it'll be the first in a series that will unfold over the ensuing two weeks or so, which we will do our best to cover on this program in detail as warranted. Though today I'm hoping to open the phones in a little bit at 818-985-5735 to listeners to get a sense of what you are hoping to see in these hearings. What do you hope to see? What do you expect to see? What do you fear that you will see? And do you think uh, that these hearings will make any difference in how the nation views what happened when Trump and his friends tried to steal the 2020 election? And will it make any difference moving forward as we head toward the midterm elections? Um, I've got several other items I need to cover here first, important ones. Uh, but as time allows, I would love to hear from you. 818-985-5735 if you feel like queuing up right now and waiting on hold. I should also note we are in the middle of fun drive here at KPFK. So we are, however, we're going to give you the entire broadcast. No worries. But when you call in at 818-985-5735, you will have the, cho uh, the choice to hit uh, choice number one to join us on the show, or choice number two, to help KPFK stay on your public airwaves. And yes, we are in, I'm told, emergency fundraising mode at this point. So uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, speaking of the midterm elections, voters on Tuesday in seven states, Iowa, Mississippi, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, San, Di uh, San Diego, I keep doing that, uh, South Dakota, and uh, California, uh, voters are heading to the polls and or have already cast their votes via early and or absentee voting. Uh, I dropped my ballot off at a voting center here in Los Angeles over the weekend. Uh, and as a matter of fact, just as I was going on air, I got a notice from the ballot tracks uh, function program group. I don't know what it is, but uh, it lets me know that uh, this message from L.A. County uh, Registrar of Voters, your ballot for the June 7, 2022 primary election was received and counted. So dropped it off yesterday. It was received and counted by today. Wow. What do you know? There's it is that. possible to make voting easy and accessible for everybody. What a concept. So it was counted, counted correctly. I can't tell you, but it was counted, received and counted. Now, if you received a uh, vote by mail ballot, uh, in the mail, you can and should do the same here in Los Angeles at any voting center or Dropbox at this point. Please, please do that rather than vote at one of our 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems that you will otherwise be forced to use uh, to vote on at the polling place here in Los Angeles, shamefully enough. There is a reason that we have for so long on this program advised against unverifiable touchscreen voting systems like the type that voters at the polling place are now forced to use here in Los Angeles, Los Angeles County, the, the most populous uh, county in the nation. We've warned against that, as well as in other jurisdictions, shamefully around the country, including the entire critical swing state of Georgia, for example. To that end, we have spent a ton of time on this show focusing specifically on Georgia and concerns about its new touchscreen voting system, which is forced on all voters at the polls, even as a long-running lawsuit filed way back in 2017 has tried to force the Peach State 
to allow voters to vote on much safer, verifiable, hand-marked paper ballots at the polling place. Now, we've had the leader of the main group, the Coalition for Good Governance, coalitionforgoodgovernance.org, uh, which is suing the, the state of Georgia to move to hand-marked paper ballots, on this show dozens of times in recent years to discuss that case and others related to it in Georgia. In uh, Marilyn Marx's recent appearances, she's the head of uh, Coalition for Good Governance, in her recent appearances... Um, over the past several months, she has hinted at a really troubling report that was created by one of her expert witnesses in the case who was allowed to examine Georgia's brand new Dominion uh, image cast ballot marking devices or BMDs. They're touchscreen systems that you select your choices on the screen. It prints out a ballot. Maybe it's accurate to what you chose. Maybe it isn't. But her uh, expert was able to examine those systems and discovered vulnerabilities in them that were so troubling, so disturbing, so serious that the judge in that federal case ordered his report to be sealed from even the plaintiffs in the case. Even Marilyn Marks is not allowed to look at his actual report. The report by Dr. Alex Halderman of the University of Michigan who has perhaps hacked into more voting systems in this country than any other cybersecurity and voting system expert. He's a white hat hacker, a good guy. Uh, He's been on this show several times over the years. But uh, that report was classified by the federal judge as attorney's eyes only. That's how disturbing, apparently, the material inside of it is. So even Marilyn, Marilyn Marks, had not been allowed to look at it, but she has been trying to get others to do so, others who have a stake in that report to be allowed to look at it, including the nation's top cybersecurity agency, known as CISA, which finally appealed to the judge in that Georgia case, got permission to view Halderman's report, and uh, just last week issued a seriously disturbing warning to all 50 states about Halderman's findings in that report late last week. Now, I'm going to work from Kate Brumbach's report on all of this at AP here, since she's been covering this Georgia case for a long time. She both understands it well and reports it well. That, by way of contrast, I should note, with a number of other reports I've seen on this matter from over the past few days from CNN, from Washington Post, etc., who sort of fall for the Georgia Secretary of State claims about these systems. Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger is the man who chose to use these systems after the federal judge found that the state's previous touchscreen systems— which were made by Diebold, found those to be insecure, unverifiable, and thus unconstitutional to use in Georgia's elections. The judge barred those older systems only to see them replaced by a newer, also unverifiable and insecure touchscreen system, in this case made by Dominion. Uh, Despite pretty much every cybersecurity and voting system expert in the world, in the nation certainly, strongly advising Raffensperger against it. But he did it anyway. So as AP's Brumbach reported uh, late last week, electronic voting machines from a leading vendor used in at least 16 states. Yes, including several counties here in California have software vulnerabilities that leave them susceptible to hacking, 
the nation's leading cybersecurity agency says in an advisory sent to state election officials. The U.S. Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Agency, or CISA, said there is no evidence to date that flaws in the Dominion voting system's equipment have been exploited to alter election results. The advisory is based on testing by a prominent computer scientist and expert witness in a long-running lawsuit that is unrelated to the false allegations of a stolen election pushed by former President Trump after his 2020 election loss. The advisory from CISA details nine vulnerabilities and suggests uh, protective measures to prevent or detect their exploitation. Amid a swirl of misinformation and disinformation about elections, CISA seems to be trying to walk a, a line between not alarming the public and stressing the need for election officials to take action. Well, I guess we'll leave the alarming the public business to, to the broadcast. apparently. Just in my opinion, the public should be alarmed at what we are being told by this report, and not just in Georgia, where the systems are used across the entire state. CISA Executive, Executive Director Brandon Wales claims in a statement that states, quote, state standard election security procedures would detect exploitation of these vulnerabilities and in many cases would prevent attempts entirely. Now, the experts that I have heard from on this and I speak to the best in the nation on this, they suggest just the opposite, that post-election audits of elections that are run on these systems across the country rarely, if ever, are robust enough audits to ensure the type of manipulations that these systems are vulnerable to would actually be discovered following most elections. Nonetheless, as Brumbach notes, the advisory uh, suggests states are not doing enough. It urges prompt mitigation measures, including both continued and enhanced, quote, defensive measures to reduce the risk of exploitation of these vulnerabilities. Those measures need to be applied ahead of every election, the advisory says, and it's clear that's not happening in all of the states that use these types of machines, which is exactly Exactly as we have been warning on this show and at Bradblog.com for years now. For so long, in fact, that I suspect some of you are sick of hearing it from me. Frankly, I am sick of telling it to you. But now, at least, the nation's top cybersecurity agency has finally taken notice after all of these years... And they are finally issuing some sort of official warning about exactly what we have been warning about here for so long. So it's fantastic. Let me interrupt just for a second to say I'm very glad to find out that the government's cybersecurity agency is finally warning about this. Yeah. It is about damn time. Yeah. No kidding. Will people understand it? Will people take measures to do anything about it? Well, that remains to be seen. Uh, AP continues, University of Michigan computer scientist J. Alex Holderman, who wrote the report on which the advisory is based, has long argued that using digital technology to record votes is dangerous because computers are inherently vulnerable to hacking and thus require multiple safeguards that aren't uniformly followed. He and many other election security experts have insisted that using hand-marked paper ballots is the most secure method of voting and the only option that allows for meaningful post-election audits. Huh, where have we heard that before? 
Halderman, as I noted, he's been a guest on this show several times uh, in years past. He told the AP, quote, these vulnerabilities, for the most part, are not ones that could be easily exploited by someone who walks in off the street. But they are things that we should worry could be exploited by sophisticated attackers, such as hostile nation states or by election insiders and they would carry very serious consequences, he notes. And again, where have we heard that before? Oh, right here on this show, repeatedly, pretty much ever since a report came out from a commission headed by Jimmy Carter and, and James Baker after the 2004 election, which noted, quote, software can be modified maliciously before being installed into individual voting machines. There is no reason to trust insiders in the election industry any more than in any other industries, unquote. In recent weeks and months, we have also hit on that matter again and again, as we have learned that right-wing election officials have been literally hacking into their own systems in order to make illegal copies of critical software and then releasing it to the public, making uh, further hacks, the ones that Alex Halderman is warning about, uh, even easier to pull off. Brumbach at AP notes just one such uh, recent incident that we've reported on. Uh, she writes, Con concerns about possible meddling by election insiders were recently underscored with the criminal indictment of Mesa County Clerk Tina Peters in Colorado who has become a hero to election conspiracy theorists and is running to become her state's top election official as secretary of state. Data from the county's voting machines appeared on election conspiracy websites last summer, shortly after Peters appeared at a symposium about the election organized by the MyPillow CEO guy, Mike Lindell. She was also recently barred from overseeing this year's election, uh, this year's election in her county. All of that after Peters actually snuck into the secure area where voting systems are stored in her own county. She snuck in with two accomplices at night, turned off the security cameras in the room, and she proceeded to make copies of the Dominion Systems election management software, the keys to the kingdom, if you will, when it comes to being able to manipulate elections via software code and malware, etc. She then... Well, somebody then released that software to the public, and it was just before last year's critical attempted GOP recall election here in California of Governor Gavin Newsom. And it caused quite a stir that we reported on at the time as voting system and cybersecurity experts were issuing emergency warnings to the California Secretary of State, Dr. Shirley Weber, about this unprecedented release just days before those very systems, which were copied illicitly in Colorado by the woman who runs the elections in that county, those very systems, the same software, were to be used in several counties here in California in that gubernatorial recall. As AP, uh, AP's Brumbeck reports, uh, one of the most serious vulnerabilities could allow malicious code to be spread from the election management system. You know, that's the one that she copied and released to the public from the election management system to machines throughout a jurisdiction, according to Halderman. The vulnerability could be exploited by someone with physical access, like an election insider, like 
Clerk Peters, for example, and others, or by someone who is able to remotely infect other systems that are connected to the Internet if election workers then use USB sticks to bring data from an infected system into the election management system. In other words, you will hear election officials claim, oh, our systems are never connected to the Internet. When you ask them about it, and I know a lot of our listeners do, actually, and they'll tell you that our systems are never connected to the Internet. What they won't tell you, and frankly, too many of these election officials don't even seem to understand this point, is that if those systems are programmed to you know, read ballots uh, in the election, if they're programmed on a separate computer that is hooked up to the Internet, as they all are, well, malware can then be transferred from that computer where the ballot was programmed to the election management system itself via that USB stick. And then that malware can uh, go to all of the actual voting and counting systems. They can all be infected in one fell swoop. So, uh, you know, that's what these warnings are about. Moreover, as AP explains, several other particularly worrisome vulnerabilities could allow an attacker to forge cards that are used in the machines by technicians, giving the attacker access to a machine that would allow the software to be changed, according to Holderman. Quote, attackers could then mark ballots inconsistently with voters' intent, alter recorded votes, or even identify voters' secret ballots, Holderman warns. He's an expert for the plaintiffs in that lawsuit originally filed in 2017, which targeted the outdated voting machines that Georgia had used at the time made by Diebold. The state then bought the Dominion systems in 2019, but the plaintiffs in the lawsuit contend that the new system is also insecure. That plaintiff, of course, is Marilyn Marks of Coalition for Good Governance, who you have heard hopefully on this show countless times making these very uh, arguments to, to everyone, trying to let you know while the U.S. federal government has had its head in the sand, at least until now, when election officials did not want to talk about any of this until now they're forced to because CISA, the top cybersecurity agency, has issued this warning. In that court case, Halderman filed a 25,000-word report that was filed under seal in the federal court in Atlanta last July. And as we have reported, Halderman also wrote up a version of the report, which he says could be released safely to the public. But the judge so far in that case has refused to do so. And even CISA, even CISA had to go to court to get permission to look at Halderman's report. U.S. District Judge Amy Totenberg, who's overseeing the case, she's expressed concern about releasing it, worrying about the potential for hacking and the misuse of sensitive election system information. She agreed back in February, however, that the report could be shared with CISA. Well, that's good. They promised to work with Holderman and Dominion, the vendor in this case, to analyze any vulnerabilities, help jurisdictions uh, test and apply any possible fixes or protections. In a statement, Dominion defended the machines as, quote, accurate and secure, because, of course, they did. That's what they always say. 
Dominion's uh, systems have been unjustifiably maligned by people pushing the false narrative that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump, writes AP. Incorrect and sometimes outrageous claims by high-profile Trump allies prompted the company to file defamation lawsuits. And I can tell you firsthand that many of those claims made about Dominion systems are completely incorrect. I can tell you firsthand because they're taken directly from some of my exclusive reporting at Bradblog.com. From way back in 2008 and 2010, these claims about Dominion and Hugo Chavez and Venezuela hacking into machines made by Dominion, etc., all of which all those claims were bastardized from my own accurate reporting on related matters back in 2010. And then they were reimagined and falsely repurposed by Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani and the rest of the MAGA mob. I would say reimagined is far more generous than they deserve. Bastardized, definitely. And anything further than that, I cannot say on FCC radio. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, many of those uh, folks who are cl making these claims about the 2020 election continue to cite my reporting from 2010 as evidence that the voting machines were hacked somehow for Joe Biden in 2020, despite zero evidence to support these uh, claims. Halderman said it is, quote, an unfortunate coincidence that the first vulnerabilities in polling place equipment reported to CISA affect Dominion machines, given that the uh, folks on the right have been ridiculously targeting Dominion instead of all of the other companies whose machines are similarly as vulnerable. Holderman said there are systemic problems with the way election equipment is developed, tested and certified. And I think it's more likely than not that serious problems would be found in equipment from other vendors if they were subjected to the same type of testing. And that, of course, is just one of the reasons that I wanted to bring this to your attention today as voters in seven states are voting on sometimes similar, sometimes identical systems. Uh, on on in what I am calling Super Duper Tuesday in Georgia, for example, the machines print a paper ballot that includes a barcode known as a QR code and the human readable, uh, a human readable summary uh, of, of the voters votes, which supposedly reflects their selections. And then the votes are tallied by yet another computer scanner that then reads the barcode does not read the human readable text that the voter supposedly verified as reflecting his or her actual votes. They read the barcode, not the part that you confirmed when you had the computer printed out and show you who you voted for. As CISA notes in its advisory, finally, they note this, quote, when barcodes are used to tabulate votes, they may be subject to attacks exploiting the vulnerabilities such that the barcode is inconsistent with the human readable portion of the paper ballot. In other words, you may look at it and see that, yeah, I voted for candidate A for the U.S. Senate. But guess what? The barcode, which you cannot read, says that you voted for candidate B for U.S. Senate and you will never know. To reduce this risk, the advisory recommends that machines should be configured where possible to produce, quote, traditional full-faced ballots rather than summary ballots with QR codes. Well, as it turns out, even though we don't use Dominion BMDs here in L.A. County, we do use systems that work pretty much 
the exact same way. We use touchscreen systems made by a company named Smartmatic, which, produce, uh, which produces a ballot summary in human-readable text and a QR code, which is what is actually then used to tabulate the election. This is, as CISA now makes clear, finally a huge potential risk that could allow an election to be gamed by a bad guy or even just mistabulated due to a programming error. And it's unlikely to be discovered during the post-election tally and canvas process. Now, there was a really bad case of exactly this, which happened over the past week or so in Georgia. I'll get to that in a moment. But this is not theoretical. Yes, this happens. The affected machines in this case, as AP's uh, notes here, are used by at least some voters in at least 16 states. She's talking about the systems made by Dominion. But as noted, we use Smartmatic's version of the same thing here in L.A. County. And even more jurisdictions around the country use touchscreen BMDs that are made by a company named ESNS, which is the largest vendor in the U.S., all of which are vulnerable to the very same concerns, which is why I tell you, do not vote on a touchscreen system unless you have no other choice. Dominion has told the uh, has told CISA that the vulnerabilities have been addressed in subsequent software versions. And the advisory says election officials should contact the company to determine which updates may be needed. But Holderman tested the machines used in Georgia. He said it's not clear whether machines running other versions of the software share the same vulnerability or not. No one, he notes, but Dominion has had the opportunity to test their asserted fixes. They've claimed they've fixed it, and I guess that's good enough. The company that created the systems with the vulnerabilities in the first place now say they've fixed those vulnerabilities. They've tested it. Don't worry about it. Oh, well, that's it then. That's of course it. we should trust them because they were, you know, the ones who created the vulnerabilities in the first place. Well, why, why wouldn't they fix it, right? To prevent or detect the exploitation of these vulnerabilities, the advisory's recommendation include ensuring voting machines are secure and protected at all times, which, <clears throat> by the way, they aren't, as we've also reported over the years. They recommend conducting rigorous pre- and post-election testing on the machines, as well as post-election audits, which simply do, do not happen to the extent that is needed in any state to discover this kind of an attack if it happened. And they uh, encourage uh, voters to verify the human readable portion on the printed ballots, which is swell, except for the fact that studies show that voters do not do so. In fact, most view the printouts marked by the computer for less than one second before depositing it into the scanner. And other studies, including by Halderman, by the way, find that more than 80 percent of voters do not notice when the computer has printed a vote differently than they intended, even when they are instructed to carefully review their computer marked ballot before depositing it in the scanner. Eighty percent don't notice when the computer has has changed those uh, uh, that printout. As a matter of fact, I alluded to this a second ago, over the past week and, and weekend in DeKalb County, Georgia, one of the most heavily Democratic counties in the state, errors were a bunch of them, a bunch of them were thankfully discovered in the computer databases in these Dominion systems that resulted in the need to do a full hand count 
of a whole bunch of races from the May 24 midterm primaries in the state of Georgia. And in fact, uh, they found that the printed ballots were about 25 percent off from the computer reported results, as one of the experts explained to me. In that case, the results were so off that it immediately raised red flags. They saw so many problems. But that's not usually the case. Perhaps we'll dive into the details of, of, of what happened in DeKalb County in the days ahead. Uh, but thankfully, it was caught before the election was certified. But for now, all of this is meant to be basically a warning to voters, particularly those who are heading to the polls here in L.A. on Tuesday and in other counties around this state, like Riverside County and San Diego County, where Dominion BMDs are also used. Also, other states around the country. Here is the warning. If you are forced to vote on a touchscreen style computer, or some of these systems offer a little knob that make the selections, you roll it around, but they present the very same vulnerabilities. If you are forced to vote on a touchscreen style computer, don't do it, at least if there is any other option available to you to cast your vote on a hand-marked paper ballot. Now, if you've listened to the show for over the years, you know I'm not a fan of vote by mail. But if an absentee ballot is the only way that you can vote on a handmarked paper ballot, as is now the case here in L.A., then do it. At least if you want to maximize the odds of your ballot actually being tallied as per your intent. I should also note here that if you have no other option than to use a ballot marking, a computer touchscreen ballot marking device when casting a vote, you should do it anyway. Use it. Don't not vote because a BMD is the only way you are allowed to do so. But do check with your local election officials as to your options. Sometimes you can ask for a paper ballot and you a handmarked paper ballot and you will get it, but not if you don't know about it. And if you are forced to use an absentee or vote by mail ballot, uh, as I was, try to drop it off in person at a polling place or at a drop box rather than counting on the U.S. mail to get it there in time and in good order. So good news in that after only about 20 years of reporting on this stuff, a federal agency has finally made clear at least some of the concerns that many experts, legit ones, not the MAGA, Kraken, Sidney, Powell, Rudy Giuliani fraudsters, but legit experts have been warning about for so long. You know, as sometimes it feels like we're screaming into a sock in the backyard about these problems uh, when we give these warnings out on this show. So I'm delighted that at least uh, someone in the federal government has finally noticed these concerns and shared them with states. Yes, in, indeed. And just to recap, if you have no other choice but to vote on one of these uh, ballot marking devices, then make sure you check it very carefully and make sure that you check with your election officials to see if you can vote on a hand-marked paper ballot, because it really is that crucial. And the funny thing is that, you know, Frank Luntz, the GOP pollster, he actually said, you have to keep repeating something again and again and again and again. And by the time you're sick of repeating it, Brad. That's about the time that the public is hearing about it for the first time. So now we have the cybersecurity report that uh, backs up what you've been saying for years. So hopefully people are hearing it now. I hope so, too. 
All right. Uh, speaking about uh, speaking of democracy and our decades long efforts to try and save it, the House January <clears throat> the House January six committee uh, is beginning its public hearings this week, and I'm wondering what you might be expecting and or hoping will come out of those hearings. Give me a call, and I'm also happy to answer any of your questions, by the way, about what I just covered, if you have any, regarding BMDs and the CISA advisory and so forth. Uh, 818-985-5735. Give us a call with your thoughts on what's coming up, what you expect, what you hope for from the January 6th hearing. Will Will these hearings make any difference in how America sees what happened on January 6th? Do you expect any new news that we have not already learned? And will any of it have any effect on what happens this November? That story and hopefully a whole bunch of your calls is next on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad here at the Bradcast and Bradblog.com. We fight for election integrity all year around, like no other media outlet in the nation. But of course, we need your help to do it. Please stop by Bradblog.com slash donate to make an automated monthly pledge of any amount you like or even just a one-time-only contribution to help us remain on your public airwaves and completely independent. The fight for voting rights, civil rights, and to save our planet continues. Please help us continue that fight independently over your public airwaves by stopping by bradblog.com donate right now. Go ahead, do it right now. Thanks. One thing does lead to another. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. The percentage of Americans who say that uh, former President Trump was responsible for the January 6, 2021 riot at the U.S. Capitol has dropped to 45 percent, according to an NBC News poll released just today. Back in January of 2021, 52 percent of respondents said Trump was responsible So that means that over the past, I don't know, year and a half or so, even fewer people think that Donald Trump is responsible for the insurrection that happened at the U.S. Capitol when for the first time a mob tried to uh, prevent the peaceful transfer of power, which is just astounding. Beginning on Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time or 5 p.m. Pacific Time, the bipartisan January 6th House Select Committee is set to hold its first in a series of public hearings on the 2021 insurrection at the Capitol and on, and, and on Donald Trump and his supporters' broader attempt to steal the 2020 presidential election. Over the weekend on the Sunday shows, committee members, uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, Democrat from California, my congressman, in fact, and uh, Republican Vice Chair uh, Liz Cheney, indicated that the public will hear new, revela- new revelations for the first time. I almost said new revolutions. New revelations for the first time. The committee has not specified who will testify at the hearing, but said in a release last week that it is set to, quote, present previously unseen material documenting January 6th, receive witness testimony, preview additional hearings, provide the American people a summary of its findings. 
about the coordinated multi-step effort to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election and prevent the transfer of power, unquote. Now, of course, the uh, coordinated multi-step effort to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election and prevent the transfer of power could be said in a much simpler way. The coordinated multi-step effort to try and steal the 2020 election. That's what it was. End of story. And while I know that the committee is interested in explaining what happened, propose uh, new laws to prevent it from happening again, uh, and use language that the Department of Justice may be able to bring, uh, you know, criminal charges with. And there's, you know, there's no law that specifically says stealing elections is illegal. But it sure would be nice if the committee finds a way to use language that everyone can immediately understand. Like Trump tried to steal the election. Because after all is said and done, what Trump and his MAGA mob did in late 2020 and early 2021 was exactly that. They did everything that they could to try to figure out how to steal the election. It's just as simple as that, frankly. And it would be nice if both the media and at least Democrats could begin describing it as such. That is one of the things that I would like to hear uh, from these hearings. How about you? Give me a call, 818-985-5735, 818 985 Let's uh, jump in. Well, I tell you what, give us a call, and I will get to uh, Kyle in Westlake Village who has a question about voting systems and how voting systems work. Hey, Kyle, welcome to the broadcast, sir. What's on your mind? Yeah, thanks for having me. Sure. Yeah. It, it's really it, it's a unfortunate battle that we have in this country with regards to voting and with our identification and you know when we when we leave the country and when we come back in legitimately we have to have a passport and when we have a job and you go to get your first job you go down to the Social Security Administration and you get a Social Security number or you get it when your kids are born yeah so why do we not tie our voting rights to our social security number mm-hmm. because you're a verified citizen. Well, let me, okay, let me respond to that, Kyle. I have an idea. Yeah, let me, let me respond to that, Kyle. First, we don't have a problem with people pretending to be someone else who are casting a vote. That's not a problem, but you have a concern about that, I guess. I understand that to be the case. One, we don't want to tie someone's vote to their social security number because then you do away with the secret ballot. Number two. No, 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 no. You what? do not tie, you, you do not go away from the secret ballot. Mm-hmm. It's your identification mm-hmm. that you are then handed your ballot mm-hmm. and your ballot is private. Only thing is that people mm-hmm. know that you have voted. They don't know how you vote. Okay. They don't know if you're an independent, right. Republican, yeah. or Democrat. All right, let me finish. Let me but finish. We have, yeah. we have a I've been listening to your liberal just going off, and it's amazing that you're on the radio, and I'm very sorry that you're on the radio. <laughs> okay. And I wish I wish that someone other than yourself understood uh-huh. January 6th never should have happened. Had we had a true and fair election in this? Uh, hang on a second. Kyle, Kyle let's, let's go back to your original true point here. Hang on. Let's go back to your original point here. Now, you're saying that I'm a liberal something. What, what, what did I mention in the first uh, block there yeah, that was okay. liberal? Everything you're talking, you, you, talk, you go off on, you, you use the term MAGA. You go off on Donald Trump and his supporters as if they're all guilty. January 6th is disgusting. Should not have happened. Mm-hmm. Okay. You push buttons in this country. Okay. 
whole class of people who felt they were disenfranchised. They felt like but they weren't, Kyle. They weren't. They were lied to. They were lied to by the president of the United States. They were not. Uh, the boondoggle was what he told them. Where? Never seen before. The vote by mail, Georgia. Let's start with Georgia. Where? Let's start with all the ballot boxes. Where? Where? Because the head of the because documentation. Kyle. Kyle. Yeah. The documentation. The documentation is from the... It doesn't mean that he won. It doesn't mean that he won because we'll never know because we had ballot boxes in this country Mm -hmm. that were unsecured. They could be voted at any time. Not true. That is not the way elections should be handled in this country. It should be one day. No early voting. Kyle, okay, I know know your opinions about that and that you would like to rule the world as far as how people get to vote, but it doesn't work that way. So let me give you some information that clearly you do not have. A man by the name of Vic Reynolds. He is the head of the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. He took the information from the film that I think you're probably referring to called 2000 Mules, which is a joke of a movie. Fine. That's okay. Let me answer anyway, Kyle, if you don't mind. Uh, oh, I, don't mind. I love listening to your sarcastic. Excellent. Thank you. I love it. Then it's perfect. It. Then it's perfect. Uh, he, uh, Vic Reynolds, the head of the GBI, consulted with the FBI, looked at all the information from that 2000 Mules movie, came back and said, we see no evidence of crime. Nonetheless, the Secretary of State of Georgia then looked at all that information in Georgia and also said, we see no evidence of crime. And you are misinforming listeners when you tell them that drop boxes are open, you can put any number of ballots in there that you want, you can't because those ballots have to be confirmed and verified and validated as, uh, as far as signatures, etc., etc. You don't have a clue how voting works if you are concerned about photo ID restrictions and preventing people from voting. Do you understand that, Kyle? You don't know how voting works, which is fine, and you can call me a liberal all you want. Hold on. Okay, when when we in the United States, when we went into Afghanistan and we made Mm -hmm. the first free and fair election in that country, Mm -hmm. they had to use indelible ink on their thumb. Yeah. So that way no one could vote twice. Right. So... Any idea? Any idea? Yeah. Here, which would be tying Excellent. To your social security number. No, here. You have a voter ID card. Okay. And you get to vote. Yep. And it's swiped. Okay. And it shows that you voted. So let's say you're a resident in California, <sighs> but you happen to also have a home in, let's say, Texas. Mm-hmm. It keeps you from voting in both states. No, that's already that's fired. already done. That's easily discovered, and when it is, people are arrested and they are put in jail. Kyle, it's let me help easy. you. It let, is not easy. It's let, let, actually it's yeah. an arduous. Yeah. No, you're yeah. you're making it out to be too okay. simple. And the fact that you don't want then let's get rid of driver's licenses. Let's get rid of passports. Let's just tear the border down. Let's no longer have an IRS. Let's go to a free, true. Why should we do these things? Why should we do these things, Kyle? Why don't we do what you're calling for? Kyle, let's do. do Kyle, let's do what you. Kyle, let's do what you're asking for. Let's use the purple indelible ink. Ask yourself why Republicans have never called for purple indelible ink. Ask yourself why, Kyle. Ask yourself, Kyle. Kyle, I'm going to have to turn I'm going to have to turn you down if you don't let me finish my question. Ask yourself why when the Jimmy Carter and James Baker commission in 2004, uh, 2005 recommended photo ID voting across the entire country 
only once there was a national photo ID. Ask yourself why it is that Republicans for years have have, have blocked the use of a national photo ID. Why would they do that, Kyle? There is a problem in both parties, <laughs> okay. and it is it is be, be, no, and we have okay. become so divided. And the only yeah true way mm-hmm. is when people know that it there is a clear way, state by state, yeah. county by county, it's different. Well, and you know that we you we would voted know all that over the country, <sighs> you voted all over the country, and I'm sure you've seen these things. And the only reason it's so upsetting. It's because we're not going to get better. Yeah. The country is going to become more divided. Yeah, yeah it will. On, yeah. It will. Touch on January it, it will. No, listen, I can't because i got to get to other callers here, Kyle. But let me. I appreciate. Hold on. I do appreciate that you have an open forum. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you, you, you did not hang up. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, you don't know who I am. You don't know my background. That's fine. And I appreciate your time. So get some other callers on, and we'll we'll try this again sometime. Yeah, let's try this again sometime. I would enjoy that, and I, I am sorry to run you short here, but the fact of the matter is you don't understand how elections work. And if you're concerned about this country becoming more and more divided— then you would not be putting forward blatantly false information concerning how voting works. I could go on and on all day with you how the George W. Bush administration, their Department of Justice, did a a years-long study trying to find all of this mythical voter fraud, and they couldn't find any. It doesn't exist, Kyle. You're being lied to. Now, where there are a handful of cases of people who have been charged with, in fact, voting in two separate states or voting for their dead relative, guess what? It's turned out to be Republicans uh, most recently and most frequently. But in any event, I don't care who it is. If they commit fraud, call them out for it. Throw them in jail. It's a shame that they tend to throw the black ones who are caught in jail while they let the white ones go with a slap on the wrist and say, pretty please don't do it again. Nonetheless... Throw them all in jail. Throw the book at them. But for all of the concerns about fraud over the past uh, year since Donald Trump lied about what happened in 2020 because his poor heart couldn't take the fact that he lost, that he was rejected again by America, for all of those lies, uh, that is what is dividing this country. That misinformation, people like Kyle who pretend, well, that actually I don't think he pretends. I think he actually believes there is this massive fraud going on. But there isn't. And for the dozen or so cases of fraud that they were able to uncover, for example, uh, by the Republican attorney general in Arizona, about a dozen or so cases. Well, Joe Biden won by 10,000 votes, dude. Twelve cases of voter fraud ain't going to do it. All right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. We'll come back with hopefully some of your thoughts. Bob actually has a thought on, on January 6th committee. Bill is mad at me for letting Kyle go on too long. That's all straight ahead on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. You're listening to the American Democracy Minute, keeping your government by and for the people. 
A partial ruling on an important voting rights case was announced last week, finding the state of South Dakota in violation of the National Voter Registration Act. The U.S. District Court found that the state had multiple violations, among them the inadequate implementation of voter registration locations, which particularly affected tribal areas. In September 2020, the Rosebud Sioux Tribe, Yoglala Sioux Tribe, a voting rights organization and individual voters, sued the state and its election officials, arguing the state didn't offer voter registration options at motor vehicle agencies or state-run public assistance offices as required by the National Voter Registration Act. Jacqueline DeLeon, a staff attorney for the Native American Rights Fund, said in a statement, We documented Native American residents routinely being underserved by the state of South Dakota when it came to voter registration. Native Americans were not being offered the voter registration opportunities they are entitled to under law. We told the state there was a problem, but they did not fix it. Apparently, they did not see the disenfranchisement of Native voters and the silencing of Native voices as an important issue. We do. The federal judge agreed, ruling that the state did not offer voter registration at some motor vehicle and public assistance locations as required by the federal law and hadn't properly trained its employees. Several other parts of the suit are still in litigation. There's more on this lawsuit and a link to the Native American Rights Fund and voting rights group for directions at americandemocracyminute.org. For the American Democracy Minute, I'm Brian Beal. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the broadcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter, and we do it all independently without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Nobody did tell me. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com talking about uh, what you hope to hear from the January 6th committee hearings beginning this week or, uh, well, what you're thinking about elections uh, as our midterm uh, uh, primaries are now underway. Let's go to Bob and Gardena. Hey, Bob, welcome to the Bradcast, sir. Hey, uh, Brad, thanks. Uh, basically, I think uh, the... Uh the one six is it commission? Yeah, I think they need to uh, speak to uh, Merrick Garland, not to the audience. Uh, the, the audience is not going to change their mind any more mm. than Kyle did. People <laughs> who want to believe in the lies will believe in them. Mm-hmm. Maybe seventy million of them, or eighty million. I don't know how many are racist, predominantly mm-hmm. white racist, or black wannabe racist or whoever or they're just duped or they're just you know i'm not going to say somebody like kyle was is a racist i have no idea but he has been duped he has had his brain poisoned and he actually believes this stuff and you know i'm sure he's a very nice guy but he's misinformed yeah well people who want to be misinformed will be misinformed after all the proof and all the the validity of it, it not being stolen i mean you have to be uh, pretty much a racist to believe in that crap, you know. That's all. That's all they they do, because they need to, because they need to protect their white race for the most part. Trump is a big racist, ignorant, ignoramus. So, uh, I mean, uh, you you don't convince people who don't want to be convinced. You convince the guy who has the power to stop this guy from building up his momentum yeah. and taking away the the twenty. 
2024 election because that's what he's going to do. And yeah, if if allowed, he will. And you make an excellent point, Bob, that I think a lot of this is geared toward the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland. But it's a matter of getting the public riled up enough about it that they are insisting on action from the DOJ. Now, I think the DOJ actually is taking action. Not enough, not quickly enough, as far as I'm concerned. But I think you make a good point, uh, which is why, you know, they're sort of couching this in in the the language of, you know, uh, blocking an official proceeding rather than saying, try to steal the election. And so uh, you're right. I think that is their audience. But I think so are the American people, because ultimately it is up to the American people to uh, to call out the Department of Justice. Bob, I really appreciate your point and your call. Thank you, sir. Let me go to uh, Bill in Santa Monica, who appears to be mad at me. Is Bill mad at me? Hey, Bill, welcome to the broadcast. Well, I'm mad at what your actions are. With, I mean, I, if I wanted to hear that kind of nonsense that they spoo all day, every day, I'd turn on uh, Hannity. That's nonsense. I was listening to what you talked about, the voting machines. I was learning something. Then you take time up with a moron. Hartman does the same thing. I don't understand that. That man is a stupid man. Well, the moment he said, the moment he said that the rioters on January 6th, they basically had a right because the election was stolen. You should have hung, hang up on him. Well, I let mean, me. Why I, would you even listen? Why you spend so much time with a uh, moron like that? Well, because there's a lot of morons like that out there, Bill. And unlike on Hannity, when Kyle calls in and makes these false claims, Bill, you know, Hannity would say, well, that's right. I agree with you. You're exactly right. We need to do X, Y, Z. Here, I can tell Kyle, here's why you're wrong, and here's why what you're saying is untrue, and here's what's actually happening. So I hear you. I know it's annoying. Uh, I don't invite those folks on my show. I know Tom likes to have them as guests. I don't, but I do like to open it up to the callers. And if that's on their mind, I like to correct them. Do you think he changed his mind? I don't think Kyle did, but maybe someone else heard. Do you think anybody who believed in him changed his mind on you? You letting him ramble for five or ten minutes? I don't know how long he was on. Don't you think it really did any good just to waste air time on a moron like that? I, I'd just like to know. Do you think you had I, changed something? I don't know. I don't think I changed his mind. Maybe I helped someone else understand a little bit better. Bill, I'd keep talking to you about it as well, but I'm up against the clock. Thank you very much for your call. I am sorry to have uh, enervated you there. I will try to do better in the future. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doy, and to my board operator today, Gary Baca, to all of you for uh, sharing a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. I think that's it. Oh, drop me an email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the Brad Blog. We'll see you there until we see you here, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.